Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and in this podcast, we take a look at the training and racing of some of America's best marathoners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials in Atlanta in late February. And in this episode, I talked to Laura Thweet, and in this conversation, we really talk about it all because she has seen and done it all. She has run at a high level in college at Colorado. She has, you know, done very well in Club Cross. She has, you know, debuted exceptionally well in the marathon. And at the same time, she has also been bitten down by just numerous injuries. And for a couple of years, she was just, you know, nowhere near the starting lines that she wanted to be on. And just, it did not work out for her. Fortunately, in Chicago this year, she had a huge comeback effort, and I could not wait to talk to her after that race. And I think you'll love this conversation. Laura is a natural here in the podcast world. She is such, she is just so great to talk to and really expansive and insightful in her answers. And I have no doubts that you will love this conversation as much as I did. So let's get into it. Hello, Laura, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi to you too. Excited to be on. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you, Laura. First of all, congratulations, 229 in eighth place at the Chicago Marathon. First of all, congratulations. That's a huge result. Which which one for you was it more of? A relief to finally get one of these under your belt after two years or just happiness for the time and place that you ran? I think it was both. <laughs> um, it was definitely a huge relief to uh, remember that I can still run the marathon after uh, the last two years and a few of the obstacles I've had to uh, face and overcome. Uh, and then also uh, coming in with a little bit of a, an injury that shortened my block, uh, finishing eighth in that field uh, and then running sub 230, I was thrilled with. So yeah, both were both were good. It was a good day. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. In sub 230 is not is not new territory for you. You debuted at 228. You later ran 225 a couple of years ago. So this, that's not new territory for you, but you've had such a wild two years. And we'll get into it specifically about the injuries and so on and so forth. But coming into this race, what was the race plan that you and your coach had set up? Yeah, so uh, coming into this race, things were a little bit different than what we had originally uh, planned for, um, given the the injury that I sustained earlier in the summer. Um, like I said, it had shortened my block quite a bit, and I was having to do quite a bit of alternative uh, training to kind of keep my fitness up. Um, I was doing a lot in the pool, um, quite a bit on the alter G, and wasn't really doing much on the ground until like the last couple of weeks leading in. Um, and again, so with that, and then having not done a marathon or completed one, uh, since 2017, um, I was a little rusty just all the way around. So the goal for Chicago was just to kind of, as my coach said, just to kind of dip our toes back into the marathon and kind of get our feet wet. Um, have a good time, have a positive experience, come off of this thing, feeling good, uh, healthy, and just, you know, getting some of that momentum going into February. Um, so he wanted me to go out pretty conservatively. Um, the goal was to go out, uh, around like 232, 230 to 232, um, kind of get through that halfway mark. And then depending on how things were going and how I was feeling, I could slowly kind of increase the pace, uh, and race a little bit more in that second half, as opposed to being so tight 
tied to the splits. Um, so yeah, I went out, uh, pretty conservative. He was, my coach was funny. He told me he'd be tracking me. And if I ran anything faster than a 550 first mile, he was going to leave. Uh, he was like, I'm not going to sit here and watch an implosion happen. He's like, if you run 520 in that first mile, I'm leaving. Like, I'm not going to sit here and watch and watch the damage happen. Um, so he was like, it's so important. You go out uh, between 550, six minutes, really kind of feel the pace, ease your way in, get comfortable into a rhythm, and then we'll just kind of take it mile by mile. Um, so that's what I did. It was hard. I mean, I'm a competitor. I love to I love to race. Um, so I obviously wanted to, to throw my hat in the ring with uh, Emma and Steph and Lindsay and, and those girls that went out um, on that quicker pace. But uh, that wasn't the goal uh, for Chicago this round. It was, again, just to have a positive experience, remember the marathon, kind of get the feet wet uh, and just get momentum building into the trials uh, where that's uh, that's the place to have uh, that competitive uh, that competitive race that I, I uh, couldn't quite I wasn't quite ready to have in Chicago as far as what I originally had planned to go in with. Um, so, yeah, it was it was great. I got through the first half, I think, in like 75 minutes feeling really good. I was in a great group with like Sarah Sellers and Taylor Ward and Jen Bergman and a couple of guys. So it was really easy to just to click off the miles in that first half. And then the second half, I was feeling really good and was kind of surprised that I felt so strong. Um, and so I saw Joe, I think at like mile 17, maybe in, uh, 16 or 17. And I kind of looked at him and he was like, Hey, like you look good. If you feel good, like go for it. Like let's race the second half. And, uh, that's what I did. Just kind of kept trying to click off the miles and kind of pick people off that were ahead of me. And, um, yeah, I negative split, which I don't think I've ever done in a marathon. So, uh, anyway, it was great just to finish. Uh, and like you said, I, I was relieved. I was thrilled. I was just so happy to be back, uh, in the race, uh, that I love so much. And just to have that confidence again, like, okay, like I, I'm still in it, like come February, like I definitely still have a shot. So it felt really good just to kind of feel all of that, um, and just get that confidence back. So you were, as you mentioned, you were in there with a pack of women that were kind of roughly at the same exact time coming through the halfway point um, before you negative split. We're one of the very few elite runners, men or women, to do just that. Uh, so first of all, congratulations. I know everyone talks oh, about thanks. doing it, but so but it's happened so rarely. Um, yeah, I've never done it. So I was like, wow, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So with that being said, do you did you have a pre-race plan or early in the race talk with any of your fellow runners to kind of stay together as a group? I know, you know, with the group just ahead of you, Steph had her husband, Ben, who was kind of working as pace duties and they had kind of like a coordinated effort there. Did you have something similar with your group or did that happen organically? That honestly happened organically. I was actually really stressed the first like five miles because um, I went out and Joe had said, you know, make sure you're like 15, 20 seconds off of Steph's group. Like if you're with them, you're obviously going way too fast. And I was like, okay. So I went out and I, I let the distance form between us so I could like just see them, but I felt like I was like well enough back. And so I went to look at my watch, maybe like, I don't know, a half mile in. And it said I was running like 510. And I was like, Oh God, like Joe's going to kill me. Like, this is not the pace I'm supposed to be running. But then I was like, if I'm running 510, then like, what are they running? So I was like, that can't be right. And so I like slowed down. And then my watch said I was running like 640. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I have no idea what pace I'm running. Like, again, I'm, uh, you know, I call me old fashioned, but when I, when I tell the line of a race, even a marathon, I don't typically look at my watch. I just run off of, kind of feel and obviously like you're racing the race. And so I've never really been one to like 
focus so much on splits, but obviously this was a different approach because I needed to be a lot more cautious in the first half. Um, so I was like all over the place and I didn't know, like, you know, I was kind of by myself with some guys. I didn't really see any other women. Obviously the big group had gone ahead of me and I was just like, I have no idea what I'm running. Like my watch was all over the place. So I kind of settled into what I felt like was roughly like around a high five, but like, again, I didn't really know. And so finally I think around mile five, I, I, um, Taylor Ward or, um, sorry, Sarah Sellers caught me and she was running with a guy. And so I turned to her and I was like, Hey, like, I'm so sorry, but like, what pace are you trying to run today? And she was like, we're shooting for like a 229. And I was like, Oh, perfect. Like Joe told me I could be on that like 230 ish pace. I was like, this is great. I'll just tuck in. And the guy she was with, I don't know if she knew him, but he was like, yeah, like, you know, we're aiming for 229. And I was like, great. And so I kind of just like, uh, made my way over and kind of just, you know, sat in with them. And then, uh, Jen was like right behind her. Uh, I think Taylor was right with her too. And so we kind of formed, uh, that second pack of, uh, of women, so to speak. Um, and that was great. Like once I got settled in with them, I could kind of relax. I could kind of take my mind off the watch, feel out the pace and kind of just like get into that rhythm that I feel like is so important in a marathon. So I was so thankful that they, they caught me and I was able to kind of sit in cause that made a huge difference having that big group of women and men kind of form. Um, it got me through the second half or the first half. And then after there, um, I kind of just started racing my own race, but I was so thankful for Sarah. <laughs> so were you, was, was your inability to kind of calibrate marathon pace or roughly marathon pace, partly a, partly due to the fact that you just weren't able to have, again, like you mentioned before, the kind of buildup you normally would, where you didn't rack up maybe as many marathon pace miles in the buildup as you, you know, would have liked to or normally would have. Yeah. Like I think Joe had said like, um, after the race that like my average race pace was like, we hardly did anything close to that in my preparation. So I, I mean, we obviously did some workouts that were, um, you know, like I was hitting like high fives and, and things like that, but shorter workouts, um, you know, not doing anything quicker than that for like long runs. Like I, I again, I was, I was running hard in my buildup for like, for what, for what I could do and for where I was at, but we were, we were hesitant to push the envelope too much just again, because I was coming off of that stress fracture. Um, so going into the race, I think it was a combination of that, of just kind of not, you know, not really having done a lot of work at marathon pace. Um, but also just, I hadn't run a marathon in two years. Like, I mean, I, you know, I obviously towed the line at Chicago a year ago. Um, but I was relatively injured <laughs> going into that. And so, um, I just hadn't really run a marathon healthy in quite a long time. And so I just, the confidence as far as what that pace feels like just wasn't there in that those first couple of miles. And I was just kind of like questioning myself. And again, I was, you know, our strategy for the first half was so split oriented that like I just panicked when my watch was all over the place. Cause I was like, nah, that's like, that's my strategy. I'm supposed to be running like, you know, certain paces each mile. Um, and so I think it was a combination of, of both of just not having done it uh, a ton in training just because we, we didn't know how aggressive we could be. The goal was just to get to Chicago healthy. Um, and then two, just not having run a marathon in so long. I just don't think I came in with as much confidence uh, as I normally would. And then also, this is like one of those things where, you know, I think everyday hobby joggers and everyday runners like myself can have like have a similar issue with someone like yourself, who's like the you know, elite of the elites. Whereas like you go to these big city marathons and like 
auto lap on the GPS doesn't work for any of us. And it yeah. can just be like a minefield of awkward it's splits. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what am I running? And so I think that's so hard because, you know, you're obviously fit and you've trained to run a certain pace. And so, you know, you can run it, but like you're looking at your watch to get that feedback. And then when you're not getting it, that panic quickly sets in. Cause you just, you just don't know how to like find that rhythm that you're looking for. Um, and I, again, like I'm not one to normally do that. And so it was a new, uh, tactic or a new strategy for me. And so when it wasn't working, I was like, well, now what do I do? Like, I have no idea. I normally base myself off of the women around me that, um, I should, you know, that I'm there to race and compete against. And I definitely did that in Chicago, but just, you know, it was just those first few miles when you're kind of by yourself in between the groups, you're just like, I don't know what I'm running. <laughs> like, I have no idea. <laughs> All right. So let's go back in time a little bit because you've had these different phases in your running life that I, I find so intriguing and I think can also speak to a lot of people in terms of how, you know, how to deal with either injuries and or ups and downs in their athletic career. So you were at, um, at University of Colorado and you ran there and, you know, after finishing up at CU, I should say called Colorado University. Sorry about that. <laughs> after finishing yeah. up at CU, <laughs> like, um, you, you, um, you know, you didn't, you didn't have the running career in college that you would hope for. And you weren't, you know, weren't necessarily sure what you were going to do then. And I'm kind of skipping forward here so we can kind of move forward in the, in the show. And there's other episodes you've done specifically on house of run podcast a couple years ago that talks about this time in great detail. And I would you know urge anyone to listen to that show as well. So you kind of came out of, out of university, weren't sure what to do. And then kind of had this new approach to running and then shoot a couple of years later, you're right there at the top of the sport with the elites. And then you're going into 2016, the Olympic trials, and you, you know, the year before had run your first marathon, 228, and then decided to you know, stick with the 10K heading into the trials and then run fifth in the Olympic trials. At that point in your career, what did it feel like for you in terms of where you were at that point in relation to your peers, your potential, and where you viewed you know, your next four-year cycle in terms of where you thought you could go as a pro? Yeah, I mean, 2016 was definitely, like, the build-up to that, like you said, um, was definitely great for me. And had you told me coming out of college that I would be fifth in the Olympic trials um, or, you know, debut uh, in the marathon as one of the top American women, I would never believe you. So I definitely feel like, you know, the rise to 2016, I learned so much about myself. I you know, found this confidence that like, I think I lacked quite a bit of in college, um, and kind of just really started to believe that I could go after these goals that I had and these dreams that I had as like a young high school kid, you know, like you go into college and you have all these, you know, high hopes and you want to do this and that, and you see yourself slowly climbing to the top of the sport. And, you know, I had a fantastic career at Colorado as far as my experience went, but yeah, I didn't come out anywhere close to where I thought I would. So to finally kind of put the pieces together and, and kind of get that confidence back in my ability and myself going into 2016 was huge. Um, you know, and 2016 was hard. Like I think for anyone at the Olympic trials, like, yes, it's so amazing to make it to the trials. I mean, I think 
that sometimes gets overlooked with when you look at like what the goal of the Olympic trials is for a lot of people, but like making it to that level, I think is huge. And so for me, that was a big goal that I ticked off. Um, cause in 2012, I missed the Olympic track trials by like a couple seconds in the 5k. Um, and so that was the goal going into 2016 was to obviously make the Olympic trials. Um, but then as you know, uh, you know, 2013, I had some success and then I, I kind of carried that over into 2014 on the track and then 2015 with cross country and then New York. Um, so going into 2016, I was like, man, like not only do I want to be at the trials, but like, I think I have a shot to make the team. Um, and so then to not make the team, uh, had, you know, as that kind of was my new goal, um, that whole year was really disappointing. Um, but I, you know, looking over like that body of work, so to speak, those last four years from 2012 to 2016 and how much I grew as an athlete and, you know, how much my confidence grew and just, you know, how I viewed myself compared to my peers and to women that I, you know, that I looked up to for so many years and suddenly you're on starting lines with them and you're competing against them and you're vying for spots against them. Like that was just so unreal. And I was really proud of myself for making it to that level. And so I knew after 2016, I was like 2020, like, you know, it's hard in the moment because, you know, you're like, oh man, four years, like it seems so long and you're kind of just like, oh God, like, you know, can I, can I keep this up for another four years? But I, I remember with the disappointment of obviously falling short of, of what my goal had been. Um, again, I was just like, okay, if I can do this now and I can put another consistently solid four years of work back into where I'm already at, like I definitely have a shot in 2020 to, to, to go for that, for that team, for that Olympic team. So, um, yeah, it was, that was kind of what I took away from that. And, uh, that's what I've been, been trying to do. And it's definitely, you know, I haven't gone the route that I, I saw myself going as far as these last four years, but, um, I've learned a ton more, uh, than where I was in 2016. Like I learned even more about myself and the sport and, uh, you know, I just think everything that has kind of happened since 2016 has just prepared me, uh, for 2020. And I, I still believe I, I have a shot. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And mindset here is important and I can't wait to talk about that, but let's just talk one second about who you beat in that race, because it really is a nice primer for where this sport goes. So in that race, you finished a couple seconds behind, uh, Kellen Taylor. And then you beat, you know, you know, a whole cadre of, of runners, you know, Jordan Hesse, Emily Sisson, um, Steph Bruce, uh, Alphine Tulliamuk, among amongst others. It was really looking back on it now, you look at that race, you're like, oh my goodness, like this was a a star-studded group um at the time, and even more so now. And Kim Connolly obviously had that unfortunate episode with her foot with her shoe, which was, you know, a, a total bummer for everybody. But um I say, I say that to say that was a stacked field and you finished fifth in that stacked field. And then a year later you run, um, you know, a two twenty five marathon, which is absolutely blazing fast. Um, and at that point, when you did that again, 2016, you didn't run the marathon trials after you ran two twenty five. Was there a paradigm? Was that a paradigm shifting moment for you about where you wanted to specialize within the sport or where you saw your future within the sport? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think even a little bit of that happened after New York. Um, you know, like I debuted, I mean, that's kind of where my coach and I thought I could, I, that's what we thought I could run at New York. Again, if the stars aligned and 
you know, the body feels good and, you know, the day comes together. We thought like we trained to, to run sub two thirty at New York. And, um, but again, it's New York and anything can happen. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, we obviously didn't know, but after that, um, I definitely think we were already kind of shifted, uh, looking at 2020, uh, the marathon would be more of the focus, but, um, yeah, I didn't do the trials in 2016 and I'm glad that I didn't like, I definitely, I think the marathon is a race of experience and you need a couple, at least for me, I believe that I need a couple under my belt just to learn the race a little bit more and just to really give myself the preparation that I believe the marathon requires, especially at that level when you're talking about making an Olympic team in it. And so I just wasn't there in 2016. Like, yeah, New York was great. Um, but again, our focus for 2016 had always been the 10K and had been the track. And that's kind of where we wanted to stay. And I, I think that was the right choice. I definitely think the three best women made that team in 2016. And uh, given just the conditions of that day and everything that obviously is at stake and um, you know what an Olympic trials marathon uh, kind of requires, I definitely was not ready to run one. Um, where this time around is, is different. And so I think to answer your question, like obviously after London, I, you know, it was, it was pretty cemented in my mind that like the marathon is, is where I'm going in the sport and that's where I want to be going. And that's where my strengths really lie. Um, and so that was obviously the direction, um, for 2020. Um, so a little of that happened after New York. Um, but then, yeah, after London, I was like, okay, like this is definitely, uh, I think my best shot to, to go after an Olympic team. Exactly. So the, the future had opened itself up to you. Yes. In your mind, like, okay, this is exactly where I'm going. This is the direction I'm going to head. I know how to do this. You know, there's plenty. You know, it, it, this is some certainly well within your reach. You had an unbelievable track background to set yourself up for it. You'd run extremely well in cross country post college as well. Here you here you are, ready to roll, and then. <laughs> The exact opposite <laughs> seems to happen. So let's talk about the injuries because um, there are so many of them over the last two years and how, that's how it's affected you. Um, let's just before we get into um, exactly, you know, what happened regards to like your own your mental and emotional status and bouncing back. Could you just like index the injuries for us that kind of happened over that two year span? Yes. Um, okay. So after London, so I had developed a condition called osteitis pubis, which is basically inflammation of like the tendons that attach to the pelvis. Um, I had developed symptoms of that right after New York at the end of 2015. Um, and then obviously we did a huge track season for 2016 to build up for the Olympic trials. Um, and so I started to kind of have more and more symptoms, um, just achiness and some pain. But again, we were able to train through it and it wasn't, anything consistent at that point. Uh, then after 2016, like after the track trials that summer, um, I tried to come back to do some fall racing on the roads and I was having more and more pain. Um, so I finally, uh, went and saw a practitioner here in town, um, who was like, you know, we don't know for sure until we actually get an image, but this is most likely what's going on based off of your pain level, your symptoms, um, how long it's been going on. Like this is probably the injury that we're, we're looking at. Um, and so I took the rest of 2016 off, uh, like starting in September, I think I didn't do any more racing. We took some time. Um, I was getting a lot of body work done, uh, rehabbing, doing some cross training, just kind of taking a little bit of a breather, hoping that that would kind of, uh, allow the injury to heal a little bit 
Um, and, and it seemed to, like I started running at the end of 2016, just doing some, some base miles, you know, no workouts, just kind of easily building back into some running and, and the pain seemed to be gone. Uh, I didn't really seem to have much of it anymore. So we were feeling pretty good about things, which is when we put London on the table. Um, and then kind of in the middle of my London block, I started to have the pain again. And I started to have the symptoms, um, kind of come back and they were slowly increasing. So I was having more pain more consistently and at a higher level. Um, so like a month going into London, we were having to kind of back things off quite a bit, uh, just to kind of get me to the line, uh, in as little pain as possible, um, which we did, uh, and London went, went great. Um, but then after London is when things really got serious with that injury, um, I, you know, had run well enough at that point that I was selected, um, to run for, um, the U S for worlds later that summer back in London, um, which had been our goal going into London. We thought if, you know, if I could run what we thought I could run, that that would be a, a possibility. Um, and so, you know, we were hoping, uh, we could kind of turn things around and, and do that. Um, and so I took two weeks off after London, and then I started running again shortly after, and it was just, it was a no-go. <laughs> I've never been in so much pain doing, a, I couldn't run 10 minutes without just like severe achiness and sharp pain through my pelvis. Um, like at that point, like I thought I had a stress fracture. That's what it felt like. Um, and so we finally shut things down, got the MRI, um, and it was confirmed that I had osteitis. And so... At that point, it was pretty severe because I essentially been running through it for like almost two, well, like a year and a half to almost two years, I guess. Um, and so the only thing at that point that I could do was to completely stop running. Um, and I was told I couldn't run for six months, um, which I, you know, since high school, I don't think I've ever, ever <laughs> taken six months off with not a step of running. Um but that was the only way to kind of let the tendon completely heal and like rebuild that tissue. Um, and I had to kind of start from scratch as far as rebuilding my body, um, and getting into the gym. And I worked with a, a strength coach here in town who was fantastic. Um, a practitioner, um, you know, I took a month off of running, like no activity at all outside of like body work and like some really light gym work just to kind of introduce, um, you know, try and get like some of the muscles around that injured area to start working again. Um, so basic like glute, hip, lower abdominal work, like really light stuff. Um, and then I started cross training two months after. So I cross trained for five months. Like I was pretty much just in the pool. I couldn't do a whole lot else. Um, and so that was really tough. That was a big one. So osteitis pubis happened. And then I came off of that, uh, in 2018, I had a good early season on the roads with some 10Ks, um, the Shamrock Shuffle. And then uh, as we were training for Chicago, um, I got a, an Achilles injury um, probably like a month out from that race. And so that's kind of what sidelined me um, through the rest of that block and then the race itself. Uh, I came off of that. Uh, I made a coaching change at the end of uh, last year, at the end of 2018. So that uh, as an athlete, I think is really difficult, um, just because you're having to kind of readjust and kind of relearn a whole new system. Um, and so I did that and then I got the calcaneus stress fracture in my heel in June. And then that's, that brings us up to date. <laughs> oh my goodness. So six months, basically no cardio. <laughs> so it's like, no it's cardio. Funny, yeah. To, you, to use that term to like an elite runner, you usually think cardio, you think of someone going to Planet Fitness, like myself, as a, for an example. But 
with that being said, it, that is such a, such a huge blow to obviously someone who not only is this part of your identity because you've been doing it for so long, but it's also your profession. So I want to just read through these five steps of, um, of basically of, of injury that in this new book by Carrie Jackson Cheadle and Cindy Kuzma, I don't know if you've heard about this, it's called Rebound. Um, they're, they're both just fantastic. So they have the five steps. Um, is it five? I'm sorry. To them, it's six steps, of course. I mean, they're on my podcast later on. Is denial, <laughs> anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance? Yes, yeah, so five. So <laughs> I when love you were going it. Yes. through, when you're go, when you were going through this, especially um, post London, where you basically you you'd kind of gotten off like the, the yo-yo of like a little bit on, a little bit off, just get to the start line, and you all of a sudden it's like, okay, no, we're taking basically this whole next year from you know completely creating a whole new routine around what you're doing physically. What was it like for you dealing with the denial, anger, bargaining, and depression parts of this? Were there any stages uh, before you got to acceptance that you felt like was the hardest for you or one that you kind of kept kept falling back into as you were progressing um, through your, your recovery? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> those are big ones for any injury. Um, and like you said, especially when you know, not only do you, do you love, uh, the sport, uh, and, and what you get to do with it, but, you know, as a career, uh, it's really challenging when you're faced with something like that. Um, and yeah, London had been this huge high, uh, and you know, it was like nothing but up and I was excited for all these things and opportunities. And you feel like you're finally like at the top of your sport and like, you've worked so hard to like get to that point and it's all coming together. And then bam, like all of a sudden, you know, you're facing, uh, an injury that, for some people can be career ending, um, and is, you know, is pretty severe. Um, and you know, I, I knew that I would, would come off of it. I had faith in my team and I knew if I did the things they were telling me to do and devoted, uh, you know, kind of turned my attention from, from training to kind of this recovery standpoint and devoted myself to doing that, that I, that I would come off of it. But there's a lot of uncertainty with that. And, and it's so hard because, you know, like I said, you've come off this high and suddenly you're sidelined and you're kind of watching, um, you know, the sport and, you know, your competitors and, and friends kind of continue on and you feel like you're just stuck in this, like you're just stuck um, and time has stopped and you're just kind of like, what, like, what, what do I do with this? Like, how am I going to get through this? And so, yeah, I had a lot of, of dark days, uh, during that time, you know, like you have, I don't know, I, I would kind of fluctuate, I guess. Like I'd have weeks where I'd be like, all right, like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna throw myself in this and I'm gonna be positive and I'm gonna, you know, like best case scenario and, you know, just kind of try and like have this really good outlook on things and keep that perspective. Like, you know, like it could be worse or, you know, like just something like that. Like, you know, like this sucks, but like, it's not, you know, it's not like life threatening. Right. Like I was like, I can get through, it's a running injury. Like I can get through this. So I'd have weeks where I'd be, you know, more in that mindset and trying to kind of, you know, keep myself thinking along those lines. And then I would have a week where I would be crying and like, you're just like, I'm never going to come off of this. And like, is my career over? And you know, like I will, I, and if I do get back to running, will I, will I get back to the level that I was at? Like, will I get back to the level where I believe I can make an Olympic team and you know, where I can, you know, do this or that, or I can run a new PR or like, you just suddenly question all these things that seemed so set in stone you know, like two months earlier. Um, and so I fluctuated a lot between like trying to be 
like really positive and optimistic and throwing myself into my rehab and my gym work and my body work and my exercises and cross training and just, you know, doing all the right things, knowing that those things would eventually get me back to where I wanted to be. Um, and then falling back into that, like kind of that anger, depression, like just denial of like, how, like, why am I dealing with this? Like this, you know, this sucks. Like, you know, you just feel really alone sometimes um, when you're when you're injured and so much of what you do is is revolved around something that suddenly you can't do anymore um, and just kind of feeling like you're missing out on what you want to be doing. I mean, there's no off season in running. There's always races. There's always seasons of this or seasons of that. And so it's constant and the world keeps going when you're injured, like no one else stops. And I think that can be, at least for me, that's always really hard to feel like you're kind of being left behind. Um, while everyone else is healthy and training and, and improving, you're kind of like, I'm just stuck in this place. So that was really hard. Uh, and so it was a lot of back and forth, honestly, the whole six months. It's not like it was just the first few months and then I was fine. Like it was the entire six months of kind of falling back and forth. And, you know, but again, I, I was surrounded by amazing people. And I think that's huge as a runner. Um, and I also kind of touched on this in Chicago, but I think it's important to remember that like when you're injured, you're not alone. And so many of us in the sport have gone through something like this at one time or another. Um, and so it was so great to have people reach out to me and tell me that they had had this injury and had come off of it, or even people who were struggling with the injury, just wanting that support and kind of wanting to know what I was doing to kind of better, you know, to get better and to get my health back. And I don't know. I think that's the really cool thing with the running community is it's everyone is so supportive, like people that you race against are reaching out to you. And um, it's just so cool to know that like you have this huge backing outside of just the people you see every day. And so I think that was also a big, um, a big thing for me that really helped me keep pushing through and believing in myself, which is having like so many people reach out and, and be supportive and um, just kind of remind me that like, I'm not in this by myself. And Obviously, I had a great team here. I had a great strength coach. My practitioners and doctors were amazing. You know, my friends, my family, my teammates, like, you know, coaches, like everyone rallied to really kind of like help, uh, you know, walk me through this and kind of remind me that like it was going to be okay and that there's light at the end of the tunnel. So between that and then again, the outpouring of just people in the sport, you know, whether it was other elites or just other runners who, you know, have gone through something similar um, just kind of knowing that you're in this, you're not in this by yourself was really touching. And again, was something that kind of just helped keep me going. And again, like I was really lucky. I have an amazing sponsor in Saucony. Um, they were in my corner. They wanted me to get healthy. They didn't pressure me with this or that. I mean, I didn't race for almost a year. <laughs> um, and so again, to have them, you know, just be there and, and, you know, see, see me as a person and realize that injuries happen and it's part of what we do was also so huge. Um, so I was really lucky in a lot of ways. I did see you mention that after Chicago, the loneliness of an injured athlete. And as someone who's been injured many times, I, I could relate to that immediately. And it's so nice to hear that a lot of people were proactive with you to make sure that that you were aware that they cared about you and were you know can empathize and sympathize with what you were going through. What did you do specifically to try to, I guess, stay ingratiated with your official and unofficial you know teammates and you know running partners and training members um, to you know kind of keep that connectivity together? 
Um, because so often for all of us who get injured, it's so easy to feel like you morph into this outsider status. No, totally. And like I said, you feel like you're on the sidelines and suddenly like you're just not in the sport anymore. Um, and so that's really hard and it's really easy to kind of isolate yourself, um, and kind of just, you know, pull inward, um, which I definitely tend to do. Um, but so it was great to have teammates and, and people that, you know, were there to like, make sure that I was still involved as much as I could be. And so as I started to do, you know, get more and more, um, or as I started to get stronger with the strength work, um, I slowly kind of integrated myself back into like team practices in the gym. Um, I would occasionally try and go to training and just like be at workouts, um, with my team, Um, and yeah, you're just trying to kind of like be as involved as you can. And I think the other saving grace for me at that time was, um, uh, I'm lucky enough to be an assistant high school cross country coach, uh, here in Boulder County. And so I was coaching that fall. Um, and I was around my high school kids and I don't know, there's something about high school kids and just, you know, being in that atmosphere, especially in cross country where, you know, that's where I fell in love with the sport. And that's where I really started to, you know, to find my passion and my joy for running. And, um, you know, so now I'm lucky enough that I get to, to give back to that, um, and have those kids, you know, they give you so much perspective and they're out there because they love to be out there and they're running because they love to run and just being around them and just kind of being reminded that like, yeah, like, running sucks sometimes and running is really hard. Uh, and it tests your limits in more ways than one. Um, especially when you're injured, but at the end of the day, I was like, God, like I love it so much. And, uh, you know, just watching those kids PR and, you know, watching them, you know, you know, run well at state and Nike and, you know, chase their own goals and get to be part of that just kind of reminded me like what this is all about. And despite setbacks, it's, it's all worth it. Like I still loved it. And just remembering that I still loved it. Um, and like what it means to me, um, kind of helped keep me, uh, focused and kind of helped keep me on that recovery grind to kind of just get myself back to, to running. And like, I was like, you know what, even if I never get back to the level competitively that I want to be, like, I just want to get back to running. Like, I just want to run because I love to run. Uh, and hopefully from there I can, I can work my way back to, you know, that competitive side. But, um, yeah, being around my high school kids at the time, I think was also something that was just made a huge difference for me in reminding me, um, you know, why, why we do it. And even when it gets hard at the end of the day, I loved it and I knew that. And, uh, so it kind of made it all worth it. So were there any lessons that you imparted on some of your athletes either at that time or since that in doing so kind of solidified them for yourself or kind of like reconnected you to those exact same feelings within yourself that that maybe you wouldn't have um, had those touchstone moments if you weren't coaching? Yeah, I mean, again, like, I don't know how much I impart on them. I hope I do. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's, it's, it's cool both ways because for them, like, I'm someone that's doing what they're doing and I've been through the stage of running that they're currently in. And so there's that relatability. And so, you know, like they go through injuries and, you know, they go through tough races and they have mental blocks. And, you know, like I said, running's hard for a lot of different reasons. And especially at that level, when you're kind of trying to figure it all out. 
um, and learn what is what. And so I, I hope that I hoped that I, you know, could kind of help them through those things, having been through those things myself. And again, having this huge injury, just, you know, reminding them that at times things are going to be really hard, but you can, you can persevere, you can keep going if you want to, you know? Um, and then for, for me, like, they just reminded me like what it's all about at the end of the day. And I do it because it's fun and I love it. And, you know, I just kind of remembered those feelings I had as a high school kid in cross country, being around them and just seeing the joy that they have in what they're doing and just being like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's how I feel. And that's why I've gotten as far as I've gotten in this sport and without the love and the joy for it, I wouldn't be where I am. Um, so I think we kind of like, you know, uh, I love coaching because I feel like we give back to one another. Like I get so much from them and I'm, and am reminded of so much from them. And then hopefully I can kind of help them through these stages as they're, you know, getting into the sport and going through all these things that I've gone through and I'm still going through. So earlier you mentioned the importance of self-belief and how have you, um, I guess dealt with it isn't the exact phrase I'm thinking of, but just you kind of worked through self-belief and tried to master it in your in your in yourself. Um, and I think the two periods of time where I, I can imagine it being of utmost importance is kind of post CU and then over the past two years or so, uh, post London. How how have you battled with or kind of tried to get the upper hand on having um, a positive self-belief and how have you struggled with that in some of those moments where things aren't quite going the way you had anticipated? Yeah. I mean, I think as like with anything that you do, whether it's, you know, a job or a sport or whatever the case may be, like, I think there's always a certain level of self-doubt that we all kind of have to fight through. And even when things are going well, um, because now there's this expectation and this pressure. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I came out of CU and I was kind of just like, wow, like I'm, I'm not the runner I thought I was like, you know, I had a great high school career and I went into CU like guns blazing. Like I'm going to do all of these things and I'm going to be like Kara Goucher. Um, and then that, that didn't, that didn't really happen for me. Um, and so I came out just kind of like, man, like I, I guess I'm not like as good as I thought I could be. Um, and then, you know, I obviously fell in with the Boulder track club and, and met some amazing people and, you know, slowly just kind of started running for myself again and remembering why I fell in love with running in the first place. Cause I think, at times in college that kind of got lost for me. Um, and so, you know, I think just doing that, I slowly started to kind of build some confidence back as far as like, man, like I really love to run. Like I really do enjoy myself when I'm out here. Like, you know, I didn't do all the things I wanted to do so far, but that doesn't mean that I, I can't keep trying. Um, and what if I just try a little bit longer? Like what, you know, like what can I do? And so I think I, you know, even coming out a little, uh, you know, like a little unsure, uh, coming out of college, just not quite sure. I still had like deep down, like believed I was better than I ran. And then that was just fostered by the people that I, I was a with, um, in, at the Boulder track club. And just, they kind of helped slowly remind me like, Hey, like you can be as good as you want to be. And there's no reason you can't go after the things you once wanted to go after just because, you know, the chapter didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Like, there's no reason you can't, you know, get to an Olympic trials or you can't, you know, go and, you know, win these races or you can't, you know, 
you can't, there's no reason that you can't do the things you once wanted to do. And so just kind of being reminded of that um, and slowly, you know, just getting back into things and enjoying it and having fun with it. I think it kind of just came together. Um, and then, you know, you start to have some success with that and you're like, man, like I, I actually can do this. Like I really can get out there and, uh, you know, achieve these things that at one point I didn't think I could do. Um, but I think also a lot of it for me is like, it's so hard, but just not comparing yourself to other people. Like, I think it's really easy to see someone that you look up to or, you know, admire, uh, and you're like, okay, like I have to do it the way that they did it. And then when you're not doing it the way that they did it, it's really easy to be like, oh shoot, like (laughs) I'm not good. Like I'm not, I can't, you know, like I'm not doing what they're doing at the age they were doing it, or I'm not winning the races that they were winning or making the teams that they were making. I must not be that good. And it's just so important. And again, this was imparted on me uh, you know, after CU and as I was in this new group with these new people and new coaches, and it was just so like, they just reminded me like, there's no one way to get to the top or to get to where you want to go. Like it's different for everyone and everyone's journey is going to look different. And so I think learning that, um, after college and then reminding myself of that now is so important and it has helped me so much in keeping my belief and keeping and keeping going. Um, and that's also what I call like recalled on, um, or called on, uh, when I was injured, like just remembering like, okay, this sucks. This, uh, this wasn't at all my plan a, this wasn't what it was supposed to look like. Um, but it is what it is. And, you know, it's my journey is a little bit different now. And, you know, I had to kind of rewrite this chapter. But does that mean that I can't, you know, still be a shot in 2020? Or does that mean I can't, you know, run low 220s in the marathon or whatever the case is? And I was like, no, it doesn't. Like, if anything, I think I've learned to use injuries as a way to make myself stronger. And I think, they teach you a lot because you have to do a lot of self-reflecting and you have to really kind of fight to keep yourself in it. Um, and I think from that, you learn a lot about yourself. Uh, and I think you do learn how strong you can be if you get out of your own way and just kind of keep the faith. Um, so those things were like, you know, the big things as far as like keep getting that self-belief back after college and then keeping it over these last few years, as rocky as they've been, um, just remembering those things. So do you have any practices or mental exercises you do to ensure that you're keeping the right mindset, not comparing yourself to other people when as a professional athlete, it can be so easy to do just that? Oh, yeah, it's a daily basis. Sometimes like, oh, gosh, like, just (laughs) focus on yourself. Like you can only do you right. Um, so I've tried to like get into meditation. Um, I can't quite figure it out. I can't quite like clear my mind and kind of like focus. Like I, I have a really bad tendency to just kind of be way too far ahead and just to like be thinking way too many things at once. Um, so I actually started seeing a sports psychologist, um, back in probably around like the end of 20. 17, beginning of 2018, I guess, um, is when I started seeing a sports psychologist. Um, I had kind of seen one in college a little bit and that actually did really help. Uh, and so I kind of 
went back uh, and decided to kind of uh, look back into that. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, I think just like, you know, we as runners, um, you know, you put so much time and energy into like your body physically with gym work and practitioners and body work and PT and exercises. And I don't know, I think for me, it's sometimes easy to forget that like your mind needs those same things. Um, so I kind of looked at sports psychology as like, okay, I'm, it's like strength training for the mind. Um, and I had read, um, you know, various things over the years of, of elite athletes who I looked up to that had, had used those, had used that as a resource. And I was like, you know what, like, why, like I should try it. And if I don't like it and I don't think it's for me, then like, I'm not going to do it. Um, and I, and I loved it and it, it's been a really, really great tool for me, um, over these last few years, especially with just the ups and downs that have kind of come along. Um, and I think it's easy to be like, Oh, like uh, sports psychology, like is like, you know, like no one wants to like admit that like, something like that can be helpful. We all want to believe like we're like mentally strong all the time and like, you know, have like we're on top of that. Um, and so I did that for a long time. Just like, oh, I don't need that. Um, but I found for me, it's been really helpful. And so that's been one of the huge tools that I've uh, started using um, over the last two years that I think has made a huge difference. And I love the expression that I've heard a number of times regarding running that's 90% mental and 50% physical. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I love the odd mathematical nature of that phrase, but you, to what you speak of this, this, um, inherent or perceived stigma around seeing somebody for mental or emotional, uh, help, um, can be, is very real for, for a lot of people in any area of the population, as opposed to just kind of like white knuckling it all, you know, through these times, um, if something's going to be again, so if, it's, if the mental and emotional part or component is so important, why would you not fully embrace a way to help in that area? It would be almost, almost as silly as someone being like, I know I'm injured, but I just there's stigma around seeing a physical therapist. I can't do it. Exactly. And my dad actually almost said that exact same thing to me. And he was like, I like, why give it a shot? You know, he was like, I just, you know, I think it's, it's a tool and a resource that's there for you as an athlete um, that you should take advantage of. Like, there's no reason not to try it. And I was like, all right, like, you're right. And then I'm so glad that I did. <laughs> there you go. So how has your relationship with cross training changed in the past year and a half or so, uh, considering that obviously this summer you did it really well to get the, to get the um, result you did in Chicago? Yeah. Um, I mean, I still hate it. <laughs> I hate cross training so much. If I could just run, which is what I've been trying to do the last like 10 years, I would. Um, but I guess I think this last, uh, injury kind of showed me that, you know, just kind of where my body's at and just some of the struggles that I've had physically over these last few years that it might actually be a good alternative to some of the running training. And that, the balance between the two could actually be something that I, you know, not only helps strengthen and heal my body, but can actually keep me healthy and give me maybe more longevity in the sport. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously Chicago was my goal. And so when I was injured, I was cross training like mad because I was like, I want to be on that start line. Like I am doing Chicago. Like there's really no question in my mind uh, as to like not doing it. Like I, I'm going to show up and I'm going to give it everything I have. And so that really fueled my mentality to cross train really hard. Um, but I think obviously having osteitis and being unable to run for six months, um, kind of embedded that in me. And I knew that I was like, okay, 
you can pool run for six weeks because you did it for six months. Like you can do this. Like you've had it a lot worse and this sucks and this isn't the route or the plan uh, that had initially been in motion, but um, it doesn't mean it it can't work. Um, And so I cross-trained really hard for six weeks just in the pool. Um, And then I'm fortunate enough to, um, I was able to use an Alter-G here in town, um, which was great. And so I started to use that with the pool. Uh, And then once we got back on the ground and I was like 100% healthy at that point, we were still using a lot of pool and Alter-G to offset just the impact and the intensity of running, not only to make sure that like my foot stayed healthy, but just like my body. Um, and I showed up to Chicago, you know, not like in the fittest state, but just really strong and just really healthy. Um, and so I think we learned a lot in that kind of alternative buildup, um, that I can, I can use the pool, I can use the alter G, um, and I can still gain that fitness without stressing my body so much. Um, cause again, like you said earlier, the last two years I've been very injury prone. Um, and so kind of just learning like, okay, like there's some tweaks we can make in training that allow me to stay healthy and train hard running when we need to, but then I can recover and do a lot of different things with the pool and the alter G, um, that like maybe will help keep me healthy that I've never really done before. Um, and so I kind of have a new outlook on it now. Like I still don't love it. Um, but now I see it as a tool to kind of keep me in the game and to hopefully lengthen my running career. So doing something consistently that you don't enjoy, do you feel like that activity, consistent activity has helped increase or improve your mental toughness? Definitely. And that's what I said going into Chicago, because, you know, obviously we knew it was, (laughs) we knew it had the potential to be a really tough day. Um, And I was like, you know what, like I, like I ran 18 miles on an Alter G treadmill. Like I, that was really mentally taxing. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I did I did 70 minute pool sessions and, you know, I was in the pool every day for 60 to 70 minutes, um, on top of gym work. And then, you know, like, so like, I don't know, the cross training for me definitely made me feel mentally tough. And I knew if I could do those things that I could get through a marathon. Um, and so again, I think that it became a good psychological tool just as much as it became a great physical tool. Um, and I finally kind of let myself be open to that. Uh, and yeah, it kind of, it kind of made the difference and I kind of had that breakthrough with it, I guess. So you weren't embracing becoming a triathlon. Is that what you're saying? A triathlete? No. Okay. So this is funny. (laughs) I actually like cannot, like I could swim to save my life, but I actually can't like swim a lap. Like I, I just, my legs are like underneath my body and I'm just like pulling myself. Like I I can't, like I cannot swim like laps whatsoever. So I, I can only aqua jog. Uh, so that right there is why I can't be a triathlete. (laughs) There you go. So we need the, we need the aqua jogging Olympics. Yeah. If that was a thing, like the worst show in town. (laughs) The way exactly. Yeah. I don't know who wants to watch that (laughs) or do it, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be like on ESPN eight, the Ocho. Aqua yeah, jogging, prelims, exactly. like, oh, 8 o'clock. Oh, yeah, the prelims, yeah. <laughs> Where you just aqua jog for an hour and you don't have, you, no one knows how they're measuring success at all. <laughs> You're just doing yeah, it. You aqua jog for an hour, you've, you've gone 10 meters and yeah, yeah <laughs> everything, exactly. everyone's really excited. I just, it's, yeah, it's heart, I just go in It's circles. a heart rate test. <laughs> it it's is, like, oh, exactly, my heart rate got yeah. to 190, I win. <laughs> you advance to the final. You're like, woo. <laughs> yeah, so if that ever becomes a thing, I could maybe do it. 
All right. So, so moving forward. All right. You've, you've learned so many lessons. You're obviously really fit because you just ran sub 230 in Chicago, but there's you know a lot more for you to do. And you're certainly capable of doing more as you've shown in the past. So what does the next two to three months look like for you getting ready for Atlanta? Yeah. Um, so the next two to three months, uh, yeah, two to three months, which is crazy to say that it's like getting here so quickly. Um, yeah, we're just going to kind of, we're slowly building back. Um, I took a little time off after Chicago and, um, it always takes me a little bit of time to come off a marathon, um, physically and psychologically, you know, it's just like this big goal that you've been working towards and then you do it and then you kind of like fall off this cliff or at least I do. Um, and so I finally kind of have gotten my legs back these last like three weeks or so. Um, so we're slowly adding in some mileage. We're just doing, you know, we're keeping things simple, um, just kind of doing effort-based workouts, focusing on the long run. Um, I'm still keeping in, um, some pool, um, right now as kind of, you know, to complement, like, you know, using it as like, um, like a double or I do a recovery day fully in the pool. So we're still kind of using some of what we did building up into Chicago, um, for this block so far, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. We're obviously gonna, um, have more emphasis on ground running on this block, which I'm excited about. Um, and, uh, I live, you know, I feel fortunate. I live in a great place to train for a course like Atlanta. Um, I haven't seen the course myself, but, um, from what I've seen and what I've heard, um, uh, it sounds like it's pretty hilly, uh, and it's going to be a little bit more of a strength oriented course, which I'm really excited about. Um, and so, yeah, Boulder is a great place to train for that. So, um, we have plenty of, of venues with rolling Hills and elevation and, um, yeah. So the next three months, we're going to slowly just kind of build back into some really good strength training and, um, you know, we'll keep some of the cross training in there, I think, again, just because it does keep me healthy. But yeah, I'm really excited to kind of just uh, get back into things. So how healthy are you right now? I am 100% healthy. And I'm really excited to say that. <laughs> I have nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Everything is healthy. I feel strong. I am lifting things in the weight room that I've never done before. Um, so I definitely feel like, you know, that in itself is something that I haven't always prioritized or emphasized in my training. Um, but again, I've learned in this last cycle that what you do in the weight room, uh, and that lifting, uh, heavy weights, obviously within reason, um, can be really beneficial in keeping, uh, you healthy and keeping you really strong, especially when you look at what's required to race 26 miles. Um, and so I'm doing things in there that I've never been able to do before, which is really exciting. Um, and so, yeah, I feel really healthy. I feel strong. Uh, I have that mental confidence back coming off of Chicago, just in the fact that I'm like, I can still run a marathon and I can do it well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm feeling really good. Uh, and it just feels good to be in this place looking at 2020 here in a couple months. So do you view cross training as something that you will do? When I say cross training, I mean, whether it's pool or alter G as something you would do, um, during recovery or easy sessions, or do you see also using say the alter G for a more of a structured workout or a long run? How do you see it incorporating, um, those into your training, considering your health, um, but also keeping an eye on maintaining that health. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
right now I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we'll, we'll keep most of the, the quality sessions out on the road. So like the long runs and the workouts. Um, and then I'm, I'm thinking we'll use alter G and pool as more of a recovery method or like as a double, um, maybe do more doubles on the alter G, um, where we can remove some of that impact or again, just keeping them in the pool, um, and allowing myself that full complete recovery day. Um, you know, the, the tough thing though is, especially after this last week is we got like two feet of snow. So when it snows like that, it makes it really tough to get outside and do those quality sessions. And so the pool and the alter G, um, in those instances, I would probably use, um, for more of those quality days, but, um, in a perfect world, I'm hoping that that's it for the snow and it won't be doing that again. Um, so yeah, all of my, my big days, uh, and workouts will be outside and then I'll use the cross training as a means to recover. All right. Any races on the schedule pre Atlanta? Yeah, I'm going to do Houston. Uh, January 19th. I've never done the Houston half and I've always wanted to do it. Um, it's fast and it just seems like it's going to be a great hit out, um, before the trials. So I'm really excited to have that one on my schedule, but, um, as of now, that's the only one. So. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was great. You are such a fun person to talk to. I really appreciate it. And best of luck to you over the next three months. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. As I told you in the intro, this was a great one. She is just so good and so fun to talk to. And how can you not root for someone like this? I'm so excited to you know hopefully catch up with her again before Atlanta. And if I don't, I'll certainly be rooting for her once she's there. And while she may not have some of the recent pedigree before Chicago as some of the other competitors there is no doubt that if she's healthy, she's going to be right up there with the elite women near the front uh, during that race. And I just can't wait to see what happens. Shoot, we're in December. We're mid-December now. We're you know two and a half months away from Atlanta. And every day that goes by, we're getting closer and closer. And I cannot wait for it. Uh, in, in, the, in light of that fact, last weekend was the California International Marathon. And we're going to be talking to a number of the participants in the coming weeks. That was a fantastic race, as it always is. And not only that, it always has special Olympic trials, um, you know, implications, I should say, because a lot of people, especially this year, view this as a last chance to get into the trials. And we're going to talk to some of those people. Uh, some of them were successful in their bid. And unfortunately, some of them weren't. But all of those stories are super interesting and insightful and are important. So I can't wait for you to hear those as well. So thank you so much for listening, for rating and reviewing the show, and even more importantly, sharing it with your friends. I appreciate it so much. Have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.